TV nopes. Maybe I'll use this audio for a theme song. I honestly think that could work. You just like get some royalty-free music underneath there and have have a little a little fun with it, and you know. Hey, people, let's people and let's it. leave in. I think let's leave in that part too. That's great. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of TV Nopes, a comedic discussion on bad media criticism using a TV tropes page that shouldn't exist as a jumping off point. Uh, today, I am going to be joined uh, once again by uh, writer Lenny Burnham. He is written on the Arden podcast. He is a uh, host of the Chapter Surfing podcast, and assuming all has gone well, he also uh, is the co-host of the House of House House Rewatch podcast with me, uh, which, is assuming all has gone according to the sort of meticulous plan a Gregory House MD <laughs> might make, uh, the first episode or so of that should be out now. Um, and if it's not, I'm sure it will be soon, so... Check that out. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. I'm so glad uh, the recording of the first episode of our house podcast uh, went off without a hitch. Yes, I was surprised uh, when um, uh, Hugh Laurie himself retweeted <laughs> it, but I was happy to see that. Um, it certainly it's, uh, it's very exciting. And, you know, they just announced that uh, new prequel series, so... That'll be uh, that'll be exciting. Better call house. <laughs> Better house call. So uh, that'll be that'll be good. That'll be good. We can dig into that as well. Um, so another thing that happened in between uh, the last time I had you on to look at the I think you should leave TV tropes page, which uh, you know this is a podcast largely about TV tropes pages that shouldn't exist, and the I think you should leave TV tropes page shouldn't exist because. It is a short sketch comedy show that uh, does not uh, work being analyzed as though it were a long narrative story. And yet, uh, they did so. And you joined me uh, for an episode before the second season was even announced, which they, I assume because the episode came out, <laughs> uh they ended up announcing it the air date uh, or sorry the second season had been announced but they announced the air date shortly after that episode dropped so you're welcome everyone um yes i remember uh i remember in that first episode uh we found that every entry in the tv trips page was about skeletrax uh, yes and i haven't looked at the updates but my prediction is that the Skeletrax of season two is going to be Detective Crashmore. You nailed it. I, was, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if you wanted to be surprised. You nailed it. It's not quite as pervasive. Um, and they didn't add, add, like, you know, quite as much. But D Detective Crashmore is definitely the new Skeletrax. Which, and, you know, even though typically for TV Nopes, uh, the point is to discuss the TV Jokes page specifically... I think we can touch on uh, season two if we want and give our thoughts. Um, you know, the main reason I have that rule is because when we're covering something like 12 Years a Slave or Mein Kampf's TV trope page, you know, I don't necessarily think it'd be good to, like, dig in. And not to compare those two, obviously. <laughs> those are very different works. Um, 
uh, I only say because those, you know, they're both uh, not funny to talk about in a legitimate analysis way. 12 Years a Slave, because it's obviously just a wonderful, uh, well, wonderful is not, but, you know, a, a very well-made, very great, wonderful just makes it sound like it's like, <laughs> I don't know, more upbeat. Not that it should be, but... A very a, a great film, I think. I think Twelve Years a Slave is a really great film, and uh, I haven't read Mein Kampf, but uh, I don't think I. I it's uh, I'd say its fan base doesn't <laughs> make me want to. It's really the the Rick and Morty of books, where even if you haven't read it, right? Mein Kampf is a Rick and Morty of books. You haven't read it, mm-hmm. but you see the fans, and you're like, I don't know. I don't think this is. For me, and I like Rick and Morty, but you know, I'm sure there's probably people who read Mein Kampf and they're like, "Oh, you can't judge the worst fans of a work." And um, but uh, yeah, so you know, but I think you should leave is fun to talk about and funny anyway. So I don't think we have to restrict ourselves too thoroughly. But uh, I don't know if you have the page brought up, mm-hmm. we can um, jump into that. So we went through the whole page last time. The I think that it's the they're short enough. That I think we could dig into all the new additions. Cool. Um, the first one of which is, as you called it, Bad Santa. <laughs> uh, of course, this is Santa Claus has picked up a new career as an action movie star. Where not only does he apparently get fully nude on film, uh, but also threatens to storm out a promotional interview because the interviewer asked him about his former career. Um, then he admits spying on everyone when they're nude. And this is the time that I'll say. Uh, as as we're getting into it, did you how do you feel? How did season two hit you compared to season one? I actually think it had a higher hit rate for me oh, overall. Um, yeah, I think it was pretty similar to me. Um, yeah, I for some reason I wasn't thinking of like comparing it to season one, even though that is the obvious question I should have been prepared for. Um, but yeah, I think like a similar laugh rate to me. Yeah. I had, I think I I'll say, I think maybe in some ways, I don't know. Season two, and this is why I bring it up because detective Crashmore, And I think, I think you should leave is so it's so interesting, which sketches people end up liking and which they don't. Cause it, there's a lot of like, like, I never really liked the Instagram. Me or Liz don't really like the Instagram one, the first Yeah, season. I feel like that's the one that most feels like a, like, regular sketch show, you know? Like a yeah. sort of normal premise, which is fine, but it, like, it does, like, feel weird in retrospect. Yeah, and some people, and that was, like, one of the ones that got a lot of, uh, you know, oh, the Instagram sketch. Oh, that's <laughs> when you know, like, which is, it's fine. I mean, um, and for this one, the Detective Crashmore was the first one where I was, like, where I think I was like, oh, this is not, like... Yeah, well... This doesn't really hit for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that sketch is sort of, like, a weird example because I feel like it's not really supposed to be funny, and then the one line where they're, like, starring Santa is like, yeah. what? Um, and I think it does kind of work that it, like, lulls you like that. Like, you forget you're watching a sketch, and it's just, like, a trailer, and you're, like, tuning out, and then you're like, wait, what was that last part? And I think, yeah. like, that kind of feeling does sort of, like, cue up the promotional bit pretty well. I do. I just think 
I didn't love the promo. I thought it was like I. It's one of those. It's very interesting because some of the sketches that I don't. Because I also this is maybe more controversial. I hope I don't get canceled over this. <laughs> I I don't really like Turbo Time from the first season. I think if you explained the idea of that sketch to me, I'd really like it. Where you'd say like, oh, it's like a. Has this ever happened to you? But it's a very specific and weird, absurd <laughs> thing. But watching, I'm just like, I get what it's going for. And so I get that they're, you know, trying to do the, like, oh, who was this example? Oh, uh, this is an episode blank check, I think, where they're talking about how, I guess, Billy Bob Thornton did some interview where he, like, wanted to talk about his band that put out <laughs> a thing. And he, like, said he would walk if they tried to yeah, ask him anything I, about being an actor. I remember I was a PR intern once um, for a, like, book company and when we were sending out Henry Winkler's book, there was a thing at the top that was like, no happy days, no Fonzie. You have to ask about, like, fishing with his kids. What about uh, Arrested Development, though? <laughs> um, the, yeah, the, so I, you know, in Bad Santa, that trope is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the Futurama Santa, or there's probably, or, I mean, the movie Bad Santa, that's probably on here. Yeah. Yeah, Bad Santa, speaking of Billy Bob Thornton, that would be funny if they, if, like, specifically for the band that he was just, like, maybe that's how they got there. Maybe they were talking about that in the writer's room, and then we're like, oh, what if they were just, like, just, but he only wanted to talk about Bad Santa. And then they were like, what if that happened with a Santa? Okay. Yeah. I see I see how they got there. <laughs> I think this that sketch is like really driven by the actor and I think um I feel like part of what makes it work is that the the guy's performance is so like not sketch acting and is so like like a just like a deadpan real actor and I think like that's what makes it work for me. I feel like if he was doing more like SNL style acting, I wouldn't like it as much. Yeah. Do you know by the way what that uh actor's real name is apparently someone i saw someone share this on twitter i think it was jack quaid um wait i'm trying to find it just to double check it's weird because i really one of my top five of the first season is uh santa brought it which is one that some people don't understand apparently but i like it okay here detective are you sure about that you sure that that's why that's a good uh memed image yeah wait i'm finding this to make sure yeah okay detective crashmore's the actor's name is biff whiff wow yeah so that's honestly incredible i guess he was in westworld hmm. bless this mess and brooklyn 99 and uh oh he's he's got a bunch of credits and he has played okay I think I see how this happened. He's played Santa Claus multiple <laughs> times. Okay. Um, he played a Santa Claus in 911. He played a Santa Claus in... It's more recent, I guess. He played Santa Claus in Just Roll With It. Um, maybe he only played two Santas later in his life. I wonder if he only grew the beard and that's when he <laughs> had uh, the opportunity for this breakout role before he was just whiffing it. Mm-hmm. I hope he, if you're listening, Biff, I don't, I hope you take that in earnest. Um, 
that would suck, you know, with the uh, SAG rules. Like, the next person who's going to be like, oh, God damn it, I have to be Biff A. Whiff. <laughs> or, like, Biff Whiff Jr. or whatever. Um, but moving along from Bad Santa, yeah, there's Bond one-liners. That's also uh, Detective Crashmore. <laughs> Um, they got one lighter. It's like, eat fucking bullets, you fuckers. You fucking suck. You fucking suck. Are you dumb? Yeah, see, but- I think, like, this is why I was kind of tuning out the sketch until it got to the Santa reveal. Is like, I didn't even register those as, like, bad. It's like, yeah. No, it just, like, is. <laughs> it, it was like, it's over the top, but in a way that didn't feel like that was necessarily the point yet. Um, yeah, but, uh, the, the next one that's been added to the page is Broken Pedestal. Professor Urabe loses <laughs> all respect of his former students when he, at a fancy dinner at a restaurant, houses Dylan's burger and then tries to blackmail him with footage of him saying he's going to kill the president. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. I like that one. I've seen people say that Professor Urabe is the new, uh, Oh my God, he admitted, guy. And I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't think, uh, it's, it's. I like that one. Um, oh, that one's definitely my favorite. It's like the only that one that makes one? me like laugh out loud the whole time. But I think you know what it is. I think my like, my enjoyment of that sketch is heavily influenced by how much that character reminds me of my dog. Like when ah. we're eating something, it's like, yeah, yeah he is like looking at me, like, give me that. Give me that. Yeah. I should have ordered that. <laughs> That's, I, uh, that, that is one where, so Liz and I in the first season, it's funny because I was like, in the first season, we have a few sketches that we'll always quote to each other in the first season. The ones are, it's, uh, from the printer sketch, we'll say, um, uh, I know that I'm smarter than you. <laughs> There's a part where, Patty Harrison sort of puts like a twang on it. Um, or is that what I'm going to get for Christmas? Because I didn't ask for that. Or um, from uh, the Bones Are Their Money, of course. Or it's like from the focus group sketch. There's one, it's funny, a lot of times some of the stuff, and one thing I really love about the show is that the like, the very subtle wordings mm-hmm. and very well observed. Like I actually... Is so one thing we'll say to each other sometimes is oh nice because there's in the uh, in the car focus group sketches a part where he's like write that down, write that down and he goes I did and and he and he goes oh nice in this like <laughs> funny way um, so yeah the way that he goes we'll say to each other like give me that yeah uh, those were the two that like I immediately started using like as reactions on Twitter all the time where like give me that and I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. His, it's also, there. that's also, like, there's something so funny about the fact that it's a burger. Yes. Well, it does, like, I didn't really notice, like, what the items were until the second time I watched it. And seeing that he had gotten what looks like sort of, like, salad or, like, Brussels sprouts or something like that, and he was like, I should have gotten a burger, I was like, that's so real. Like, being oh, like, yeah. I should get something nice, I'm at this nice restaurant, and then being like, I really want that burger. The way he also just, but it's it's also that he just refers to it as that. Like in any normal interaction, like that, you'd be like, "Oh, I should have ordered that." It's like 
fish or like a chicken dish. Like it went something like so clear and identified, I'd be like, oh, the burger looks, like you'd say the burger and you, they never say it's a burger, which is something I find funny. We also, another uh, wording thing. Well, we'll get to that one actually. So yeah, that's a big one for that. But um, so far these tropes are not that bad. I've been like, okay, yeah, that's what, that's what it no, is. No, most of them, most of these ones I think are more uh, reasonable than uh, some of the other ones were. The next one, so I find this funny, deal with the devil, which that's a trope that's, you know, been around for a long oh, time. Oh, I have to click on it because it's hidden for spoilers. This must be That's good. what's so funny to me. <laughs> it's a hidden for spoilers. All of these are short sketches, and it tells you the premise and everything in it. For some reason, this is the only trope on the page that has a spoiler tag over it where they're like, this will ruin the sketch for you if you know the secret. And have you, have you clicked it? Yes, I have. It's, uh, yeah, it's the calicocutpants.com sketch. And uh, one thing I object here, it says it may be a fake site. It's a real website. Well, it's That's not. <laughs> okay. Of course, as anyone would, I went to check calicocutpants.com as soon <laughs> as it came up. And I, I wonder if this was deliberate or if they just – like, because it used to be – this used to – only 90s kids will remember, by <laughs> which I mean kids who largely grew up in the 2000s. Um, it used to be whenever there was a website mentioned on a TV show, it would absolutely – like, if in How I Met Your Mother or whatever, if Barney is like, that's why I put everything at uh, broco.com. Like, at, they would – there was a – FCC regulation that you had to buy it and have some sort of advertising promo thing that looks like it's the real website in universe, but then at the bottom it says like, "Watch how I rent your mother Thursdays on CBS or whatever it was on," Um, and uh, the and it's not there. And I've seen some people say, "Oh, it's a bummer that it the site." There's no site for it. And they were like, yeah, of course it's down. You didn't give. <laughs> and I don't know if that was on purpose or they were just like, it's not 2011 anymore. <laughs> we don't do this for every site that pops up in a TV show. Netflix is not going to spend the money. And then people are just filling that in. Um, but I don't think that there needed to be a spoiler tag. Uh, yeah, that's funny because I feel like, that is one sketch where even though I like it, I pretty much knew where it was going. Like, I was pretty much like, it'll probably just, like, continue to, like, escalate with, like, the side effects of using this site. Like, it wasn't yeah. one that really surprised me that much. The the thing that gets to me about that one is actually the little stuff in between, like, him, the thing with him yelling, like, hold that door, hold that door, yeah. and then <laughs> gently strolling. And also, I think the funniest part of that sketch for me is when Mike O'Brien... When he sends him the message, he goes, I need you to click this. And he goes, it won't be loud, will it? <laughs> and then he looks up and he sees Tim's character, like, typing and deleting and, like, thinking. And, like, for a full, like, 30 seconds. And finally, he just types back, no. Yeah. One thing I really like about season two is I felt like there were more sketches that kind of like felt like two sketches you know like yeah uh, so like the thing with him being a weird guy who's always like hold the door when he's like very far away from the door and stuff um 
they I I felt like they were all a little more layered than season one. Yeah, I think it's um. Yeah, most of yeah most of the season one ones are. And, yeah, I, I did really like the detail in this of how like they are able to make these like super advanced videos that make your volume button not work somehow. <laughs> Just this weird they're spending all of their money on hacking your computer so the volume yeah. button does not work i forgot conor o'malley's in that one though he's just doing that uh um that's also oh i i'm trying to think if this is well we'll okay wait we'll get to, i'm trying to think of the things and then i'm like okay there's stuff further down we'll get to these so uh going on down it's still mostly oh sorry i know we talked about um this one last time but for the tc tuggers one that's another one of those really well observed things that liz and i love in the tc tuggers one when she asks tim robinson's character she's like so do they come in different varieties and he holds up a figure because he's just chugging water and he goes, yes. not really <laughs> <laughs> that's it's it's like it's that's what really sells me on it a lot of the time is these very specific little observed yeah yeah i love vocal how things in that in that tc tucker sketch instead of them being like mad or like why are you doing this like they're so game like she's like really yeah. trying to help and be like oh does it come in different styles and <laughs> it's just like completely it's so because you're like, well, obviously, I mean, of course, it's the joke of it, but it's like, obviously, that would have been written, but yeah. why would you do that if it doesn't come in different styles? Um, this one, uh, failed attempt at drama. Brian, defending his hat choices, punctuates his point by slamming his hand on the table. He accidentally knocks over a water ball, which spills all over his laptop. Sure. Yeah, sure. That one I like. That was a fun one. Yeah. I always forget. That one doesn't stick in my head for some reason, the hat text exchange one. Yeah, I agree. I think it lulls you into kind of too much of a rhythm for me. Yeah, it's 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 one of those where you're sort of like, I think you kind of get it's. And again, I like I feel like I could say this because I've said and I said in the last episode that I think, I think you should leave. It's the best sketch show, in I don't even know how long. I think it's so good. Um, but yeah, that's one where it does kind of feel like they had this joke, and then they were like, they kind of want to stretch it further. So he's like, oh, he carries, he's always carrying around dice, but he pretends he <laughs> isn't. And you're like, I mean, that's kind of funny in the way that it's just like this weird random additional thing. But it does sort of feel like the kind of thing where you're like, hmm, should have stayed on the hat, right? Like the hat, <laughs> I guess the dice, he, he gets to kick it back and forth with the other guy. That's fun. Mm. Um, okay, we're get, now getting to a trope that references maybe my favorite we ordered we wanted to make a night of it so when the season two dropped we ordered thai food this is one of the first sketches that comes up and i legit have to stop eating because i'm <laughs> going to choke i am this i laughed the hardest at this one more than anything in season one and that is uh under the fun in funeral trope subverted with corn cobs tv's coffin flop a context Free compilation show of independently shot funeral footage where hundreds upon hundreds of dead bodies, 20% of them nude, fall out of poorly made caskets as their families scream in horror. <laughs> I. It's a few things. The, the main thing for me is the timing on the. is so perfect on the. Boom, boom, when he's going. I just love also, like, they say we rig it. I ain't rig shit. <laughs> We just film funerals and we air the ones where the body falls out. 
Um, that one, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the opposite of the thing I was talking about where you could describe a sketch and it doesn't sound funny, but then it is where like the idea of that wouldn't sound so funny, but the execution almost killed me. I would have been a coffin flop <laughs> body. I would have choked on food. I could have been on coffin flop. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did not laugh at Coffin Flop as much as most people did, I'll admit. I do like it. But what I re- one thing I do really like about that sketch is how it, like, sets up by being, like, all of these channels are dropping from Spectrum, sort of implying that it's, like, a like Viacom CBS type company. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea that, like, all of their channels are about to be dropped and the best talent they could get is the, like, Coffin Flop producer to do all of yeah. their ads being, like, save this. Like, they couldn't get anyone from Nickelodeon or from Comedy Central. Just from Corn Cob TV. Yeah, the Corn Cob TV guy is willing to do it. Um, and that's also, like, such a great little, like, choice where it's not, it's not like they both didn't go for just it being, like, you know, uh action time tv or like something like you know goofy schlubits like just some weird absurd just like a it's it's they're just real word total nonsense i mean obviously on twitter corn cop has a meaning because of drill but <laughs> yeah and it's funny that like coffin flop was such a like a like basic uh physical comedy idea that could have been packaged in so many different ways and i love that they chose to do it as a parody of like this specific type of commercial that like young people watching netflix have never fucking seen in their lives yeah that is so true i it's certain things when you see something like that where you're like wow i can't believe no one's done that there's a sketch group or like sketch group that uh i think they probably mostly disbanded maybe they do reunion shows sometimes whatever uh called elephant larry uh that did a pilot a sketch show pilot that is really funny if you get a chance to check it out i'm gonna look up what it's called just so i can recommend it uh it's called um well i guess they also had something called elephant larry treehouse oh wait okay here it is um alexander zalbin was uh taught me pit uh sketch oh here it is it's um it was called the wow and it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, they only made the pilot. I guess they probably tried to take it places and didn't get picked up anywhere. But it's a 30-minute sketch show taking place in the 30 minutes before previews start at the movies. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. So it's themed around, like, they have, uh, you know, a Coca-Cola film short film that like student film oh, yeah. they have like a behind the scenes thing they have like movie trivia they have and like it's something like that where you see that and you're like oh that's something like almost no one's ever thought to utilize and yet almost everyone knows like yeah the like series of nonsense they show <laughs> yeah. you before the trailer start when you're sitting in the theater because you got there like a half hour early you know um the next, uh, I think you should leave TV Tropes page one is Heroic Comedic Sociopath. That's uh, Detective Crashmore again. Um, I, I, do th- I do actually remember this line, thinking that was funny. 
Uh, Monique, he said he'd kill us both. Crashmore, he might kill you, but there's no fucking way he's ever <laughs> killing me. Fucking asshole, he said that? Um, how is that even possible? Uh, that's another coffin flop. Um, so did coffin flops had a couple. Detective Crashmore is still clearly the Skeletrex of TV tropes for season two. Um, <clears throat> sorry. There's, uh, I gotta, I gotta scroll through, like, a bunch of Skeletrex stuff to get to the next <laughs> one. Uh, Latex Perfection. Subverted. The prosthetics. See, here's the thing that always bothers me about these. I complain about this, like, every episode. <laughs> when they bring up a trope and then they go, subverted. And it's like, is there not one where a costume is bad? There must be one. Like, if I type TV tropes, TV tropes, bad costume evil costume switch your costume needs work what the hell costuming department impossibly tacky clothes so like that's the thing it's like uh latex yeah. perfection this is also kind of weird because i feel like in the in the sketch i feel like you're not supposed to feel like it's the prosthetics being bad it's like this guy freaking out too much like without that much of a reason at least like that was how i read it oh yeah for carl havoc i mean that is actually the thing is i do think they're misinterpreting because it, it says the prosthetics and prank show are actual recognizable professional quality prosthetics they're terribly applied left unpainted and paired with a halloween store wig the end result is carl havoc is so hellish looking and comfortable to wear that carmine has an existential breakdown yeah that's not how i took it at all i took it very relatably to be this is a person and this is, to me, a big mood, as the kids might say. Mm -hmm. But a person who is just barely keeping it together right now yeah. with the other stuff in their life. It's like when you're, just, when you're in that place where you're just like you, – you, you are at capacity emotionally. And you're just keeping a lid on it. And then you, like, drop a glass of water. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm done. I don't and even want to be around anymore. I can't. <laughs> The best part for me is, like, how enthusiastic he is at the beginning. So it's, like, so instant and so extreme that he's, like, this is going to be funny. And then, like, immediately drops it. And it does really feel like this is just, like, how everyone in the comedy industry feels. Of Like, yeah. I was, like, it's, like, your entire life put really succinctly of being, like, this is going to be funny. And then being, like, oh, I don't want to be around anymore. Yeah. The whole thing, I don't even want to be around anymore. <laughs> Saying you want to die. I don't know. I just don't want to be around. It's, it's such a good phrase. It like immediately just sticks in your head so much. Like, cause I, like you had never heard like those specific words. I don't want to be around anymore to yeah. describe that. And she's like, yeah. Um, it's, but, it's yeah. Um, but yeah, this latex perfection trope, I think is applied pretty poorly here. Cause it's supposed to be like the sort of thing where like, it seems like they're saying it's the kind of trope where, like, they genuinely have, like, an actor until, like, the reveal of that, like, they look completely different, um, which is, like, a common comedy trope. But, like, this is really not that similar even as, like, a subversion of it. Well, I think it's, it's supposed to be latex perfection specifically, I think, is supposed to be, like, um, like in Mission Impossible or whatever. Right, yeah. Where like they have like those perfect eyes, masks yeah. where it's like a mask that just makes you look like, like, okay, here's but, uh, one they have though. <laughs> I, like, 
I just feel like it's not a subversion to be like, what if the mask was shitty? Like, it's just a shitty mask. You're not, like, doing the trope and subverting it. He's also not being a different, specific, real person. Like, I think a subversion would be like if Tom Cruise put on his perfect mask in Mission Impossible and he looks completely different and the audience thinks, like, oh, he's unrecognizable, but then the villain is like, no, I know that you're, like, Ethan Hunt under there, like, yeah. right away. Like, that would be a subversion of that. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't, yes, because it, yeah, that's, it's, I think, like, you look up, your costume needs work, or uh, what the hell, WTH costuming department. Like, I don't know. There are so many options here they could have <laughs> gone with, but they had to go with a subverted because they must get bonus points when they get to do a subverted. <laughs> they literally do this. They'll just be like, you know, the villain redeemed, subverted. The villain is not redeemed. It's like, then don't bring it up. Yeah. There's, yeah, I think there is a certain amount of like wanting to feel like the content you watch is super smart with it. Like I see it all the time on communities, uh, TV trips page of being like, this trope was done and subverted in community. And you're kind of like, they mostly just did it. Like they were like witty about it, but you know, they're still just doing the sitcom tropes. Well, it's frustrating because there's like a certain sort of um, thing where people uh, think it makes them smart to not understand or to like they think it makes them like smarter than the movie if they can predict what's going to happen right yeah i hate that like the the sort of thing of being like uh i knew she was gonna end up with the nice guy instead of the rich dude and it's like yeah your mom also knew that you're not Well, it's like, it's like, because that makes a satisfying story. Like, I think one thing I remember from at the end of the Game of Thrones, like when they would have those interviews and stuff, is I remember seeing one thing and I was like, oh, that's probably what a big portion of the problem was, was Weiss or Benioff, one of them was like, well, you know, we'd go on Reddit or the internet and whenever someone had guessed what happened then we'd have to change it. Like, what oh, was going yeah. to happen? I hate that. Like, yeah. that's that's such a big thing um, with shows like, like Pretty Little Liars and stuff like that, where, like, um, they would literally, like, have different people in the A disguise so that their, like, height was totally inconsistent and stuff like that so that you couldn't guess. And I just think that's, like, dumb to be like, we're just going to present the story in a way that is a complete lie so you won't guess the ending. That's the thing. And that and what's so frustrating about that is it's like but if you did a good job, then some people will be able to guess what happens because that means you set it up properly. Mm-hmm. It's not it's much harder to properly set up an ending which people might then guess because you set it up than it is to just arbitrarily switch at the last moment uh, without doing any work. Uh, there was actually an episode of the CBS show The Neighbors just last week that actually uh, commented on this very well, where they're, like, desperate to find out how this mystery novel ends. Um, I guess they, like, found the manuscript or something. I don't remember. Um, but, like, they tracked down the writer and asked who did it, and they were, like, the butler who, like, opened the door and said, come in, sir, did it. And they're, like, that makes no sense. And he's, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like yeah, that's the thing where whenever people do that. I mean, it is interesting, right? Cuz now I I I will see old at some point, probably when it comes out on something. So Liz Liz doesn't want to see old. 
Um, she's worried even glancing at the beach might turn her old. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't know yet. That's the thing. The same way these people, you know, talk about how, well, they haven't really studied the effects of the vaccines. We haven't fully studied. A few people have been to the beach that turns you old. We don't know if watching the beach that turns you old. This is going to be so dated. Right now, everyone's <laughs> making the beach that turns you old jokes on. I actually felt bad because, okay, um, I... Uh, quote tweeted so zach silverberg who i guess has some degree of following on twitter i think he's maybe a writer's oh he's a writer's assistant for the new john stewart show i think uh i almost want so he had a tweet and i didn't know who like he i think sort of led the charge off of all the the mm-hmm. beach that turns you old memes and i think all the ones he put out are uh very good i think as tends to happen on twitter um it, it just gets to a point where it's like, all right, not everyone needs there. <laughs> right. Now, I retweet. You had a good one. I'm trying to remember what it is now. Oh, the one about the kids buying beer. Oh, uh, everyone okay. go retweet Lenny's tweet about the, <laughs> the kids going a month from now. A month from now when no one cares about old. Go find <laughs> Lenny's tweet at Lenny Burnham about the kids going to the beach that turns you old to buy you beer. To buy you beer. The <laughs> listener. To buy you beer. Um... How great, how gracious of them, and uh, retweet it. Uh, but so he had a bunch of those. They were all funny, and I realized because I had quote tweeted. He had a tweet that I was like annoyed at because it got like a. It was like, you know, wow! I can't believe it took me till twenty seven yeah. to realize. You saw that? Yes, the the chicken okay. crossing the road tweet. Yeah. Yeah, so every, anyone who wants to, a month later, again, just scroll back through my Twitter feed. This is, we're recording this like a month before you're going to hear it. I quote tweeted and was like, he's like, oh, it took me until I was 27 to realize it's a joke about the afterlife, the chicken crossing the road to get mm-hmm. to the other side. I quote tweeted and was like, when you're 30, you'll realize it's not this. Because that's one of those things that bothers me when people feel the need to like, it's like, it's, no, it's, and I think it is, someone I was talking to about it pointed out like, it's it's interesting because it's one of the first jokes a kid hears, but also it is like an anti-joke. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no I don't I don't care if I was talking to someone on Twitter replied to it about you know the Hank Scorpio debate oh, where yes, he says yeah. yeah have you ever seen a man throw a shoe before? Where I think and it and the reality of it's interesting. So apparently it was an ad lib by Dan Castellaneta, and. Dance doesn't obviously because they, you know, nerds like me who mm-hmm. interview Simpsons people ask them these questions about something they ad libbed 30 years ago, and they're very gracious about it. Um, but he was like, "Oh, I'm not sure," and he said, "I I probably would have meant it as, yes, I have seen someone do that now, but I think it's." funnier if it's uh that he has seen someone else do it before mm-hmm. which uh for those who don't know there's mm-hmm. a joke in the, the hank scorpio episode of simpsons what's that one called again oh, whatever. Uh, you only move twice yes thank you i knew it had a classic name too uh you only move twice um where hank scorpio al brooks uh throws um a shoe and then says to homer you ever seen a man throw a shoe before he says yes once and there's you know a big stupid internet argument 
about whether he's referring to having just seen Hank Scorpio throw his shoes or whether he has previously seen someone throw shoes. I don't know if you want to weigh in on this. To me... <laughs> yeah, the- I'm team it's funnier if he was referring to that time, which a lot of my friends disagree with me on. But I think it's very funny that Homer would say once without elaboration, referring to what just happened, when it's like, obviously Scorpio knew you saw what just happened. Like, that's not the question, Homer. That was not my original interpretation, but when I heard that interpretation, I was like, oh yeah, that is funnier, that Homer Interesting. could possibly think he would understand what he meant if he just said once. See, I'm glad we're going to be hosting, or we've already started hosting <laughs> a very famous and acclaimed podcast together, uh, because... Um, you know, we want to make sure, uh, we got diversity in our hosts, so (laughs) there we go. We feel different ways about that joke, that's okay. Um, Um, but I am with you on, I had the same experience this week of being way too online, where as soon as you said the name Zach Silverberg, I was like, oh yeah, I really liked his old tweets, and I was shocked to realize he was the chicken that crosses the road guy, because I hated that fucking tweet. Which makes me wonder... Did I miss, like, 70 layers of irony? Right. And that, the same way that, like, I think I did, you know, the same way that someone will do the tweet. And I think the first time I saw one of those, like, hey, someone offers you a billion dollars to eat an entire pizza, but you only have 24 hours. And, like, you know, you can only drink, like, three soda. Like, something where the joke is, like, oh, it's very obvious. And people are like, yeah, of course. What do you mean? I could do that. The first time I saw one of those, I definitely did get tricked by it, but I was like, yeah, yeah. but now I'm like, that's old hat. So now I am wondering, and you know, Zach, feel free, if you're listening, <laughs> feel free to weigh in, and uh, if you want to come on the show, pick a movie that shouldn't have a TV tropes page, or old, even though that seems like one that reasonably could, but um, just apropos... Uh, I, I, I'm like, was that supposed, was that under layers of irony where mm-hmm. it's clearly, because the, th- the thing is, I have heard that previously. That's not the first time I've heard that. I have heard people say like, oh yeah, it's because it's this thing where like people want to think that everything has an explanation, right? Where they have, where they like go on YouTube and they Google like <laughs> chicken crosses road explained. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't, it's, yeah, so I was like, that that bothers me because everyone in the responses was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't realize that till <laughs> now. And people are like all yelling at them like, because it's not, because it's not. And I don't, and like now that I saw all the old tweets and I'm like, was I trapped? Was yeah, I like, was is, this layers? It is like the kind of tweet that's almost common enough that it feels like it could be like when someone like fires off, uh, are you telling me a chicken fried this rice? Like he was just like, today I'm gonna do the the other side tweet, right? Like I I and it, that's the thing. Like I'm online enough that it is it is comprehensible to me that someone would do that with that intention, and it would be under that many layers of irony. And now I just don't know. So Zach, <laughs> if you're listening, if anyone else wants to tweet at me, um, or Lenny, we'll figure this out. Uh, we can, uh, oh, so the, the latex perfection, we, sorry, we got so far off that, but the latex perfection trope. I do agree with them that the Carl Havoc makeup is hellish looking. I literally, uh, saw those pictures before I watched the show and was almost like, is that sketch going to be too scary? Because I do not like looking at this man. (laughs) 
That reminds me of when I was in, uh, when I first read the Harry Potter books, um, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, looked ahead when I started, I, I, like, devoured, like, my aunt had been part of, like, a photo shoot for them, um, and then, like, to taking the pictures, not that she would, my aunt is, uh, J.K. Rowling, I've tried to tell her, <laughs> Ugh, it's so tough, you know. I'm like, hey, let's, uh, you, this isn't cool. And, you know, we just don't talk about it anymore. It's just not worth it. And I know, oh, well, is, should I, shouldn't I be bringing it up with her when I see her at Thanksgiving? And it's like, it's, it's, I told my parents I wouldn't. And they understand. They, you know, but it's like, whatever. Uh, I, you know, Andrew Rowling. Andrew Taven Rowling. That's how I used to go by the middle name because I don't want people anymore to be like, Andrew Rowling, are you related to? You know what she said? Yeah, I know. It's bad. It's really bad. I don't know what it is about, like, rich people that, like, American rich people hit a certain uh, net worth and immediately are like, I don't want to be around anymore. And by <laughs> that I mean I want to go to space. And, like, British rich people hit a certain net worth, and they're just like, I don't want you to be around anymore. <laughs> and they're talking about trans people, because they just all have this weird fixation that I, I just, it, it's, who knows what it is. But anyway, that being said, um, the, oh, I, I turned ahead to, in the uh, second one, the Chamber of Secrets, I turned ahead and a few of it was like the illustration because it was the edition with the illustrations like above each chapter mm -hmm. and they had the illustration of i think when they took the polyjuice potion and like harry turns into goyle or crab uh, yeah. or whichever one and the illustration of the sh shrieking mandragora and they freaked me out so much i think my head filled in much scarier things oh yeah yeah and i did not i stopped reading them i was too scared <laughs> And then when I saw the movie, which I was almost like I saw it like with friends as like a birthday thing, I was almost like too scared to go. And I went and I was like, oh, OK, the stuff I thought was like I filled in this like wildly <laughs> scarier stuff. And then um, which now I just do with, uh, you know, panic about the world. Um, oh, the. Uh, the other thing with Carl Havoc is, uh, and Liz Liz loves this also, and that you point, the the way that he goes, um, he he spends so much time trying to convince the producer that he should let the sketch just be him popping out of the suit, and the producer suddenly finally goes like, "All right, fine, yeah, that's good. You pop out of the suit." And he just goes, "I'm not gonna do it." Yes. <laughs> Ending of him being like, then what's the then what's the yeah. show? It's yeah. so perfect. I think that that and the um the ghost tour sketch are both like very relatable for comedy writers, I think. Oh, definitely. The ghost tour one so okay. There was an article, um I think Kath Barbadaro might have written it, but uh for Vulture, I wanna say, or you know, Someone similar at somewhere similar. Um, that was about how no political comedy 
managed to capture the feeling of the Trump era better yeah, than... That definitely yeah. was Kath. I don't... I'm not sure if it was for Vulture, but that does sound right. Yeah. Then the, uh, the I think you should leave hot dog sketch or, you know, oh my God, he admitted it. <laughs> or we're all trying to find the guy who did this has to be the single most... You know, there is this, there is this like great political shorthand where I, not that I'm only going to touch on this briefly because it was very much a bummer, but there was this article written by this, uh, this writer who wrote this great 2018 piece, which I only read because she links it in the updated piece about, uh, kind of going undercover, trying to buy expensive real estate in miami beach and talking to realtors there and seeing what they say uh when she casually at some point is like oh so what about the fact that this is going to be underwater in 50 years um at you know depending where and not doing great before that um and so she wrote people can read this if they want kind of feel bummed out but maybe sort of like she wrote this thing that was like about how she gets and specifically she got a person calling her like, oh, we'd love for you to do something like the, you know, pitch us something like the Miami Beach piece. And her being like, it's already been said. Like, it's all already been said. There's nothing more to say in that vein. Like, you like you need to do – we need to do stuff. Like, it's like there's no – she's like, I just can't keep doing this when the words have been said. And that's, you know, you can feel that way about a lot of things. I mean, the uh, – you know, I feel like there's some of that with uh, current COVID stuff when people are trying to figure out, like, oh, how much should vaccinated people change their behavior based off Delta? And it's like, I mean, you know, yeah. Would it pro- like, should we m- probably mostly still mask indoors even if you're vaccinated? Sure, that's not that hard to do. But also, it's like arguing about plastic straws when we know what the problem is when as Connor O'Malley might say (laughs) imagine that the Blues Brothers Tim Robinson (laughs) character was climate change and the dog was uh environmental catastrophes at an increasing rate and uh the guy across where it's too loud so Connor O'Malley and this is one of my favorite little observed things here's what he's saying but doesn't quite process it and then process it. And the guy across saying, uh, maybe she smells my dog, was saying, we could get rid of plastic straws. And then Connor O'Malley would say, what? No, we know what the problem is. Um, and that's kind of how it feels where it's like, yes, there, there are definitely people, I, you know, read or whatever, who are like, vaccine has different legitimate reasons. But all the things about like, well, what could vaccinated people be doing differently? It's like, you're messing around with the drapes because you think it's too hard to fix the hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. like, I, look, we know what the pro, we know what the problem is. <laughs> like, uh, and you know, some of them are genuinely hesitant, and hopefully, there are people in their community who they can trust, or family members who can speak to them, or people who can explain this. And some of them, it's literally just a political commitment. Um, but anyway. The point being, uh, that's the other sketch that made me completely lose it laughing. The Just him demanding the girlfriend make it louder in the oh, Blues yeah. Brothers sketch. And the other dog coming to the door. And just, yeah, that Connor O'Malley just going, what? No, we know what the problem is. She thinks you're a whole other guy. The glasses. And the, um, one of the examples in Latex Perfection is 
in Game of Thrones, Walder Frey, parentheses, an old man, okay, hosts a meeting at his place for his sons and daughters to attend. After he is done boasting about the Red Wedding, why, so, so you're, you're telling someone presumably who is not familiar with this Game of Thrones plot point about it. You mentioned Walder Frey, and you go, and you assume the reader goes, wait, Walder Frey, I'm lost. You go, oh, an old man. They go, oh, okay. It's talking about the Red Wedding, and then you pause, and they're like, no, I get it. <laughs> I know what that is. Uh, he reveals that not all the Starks have perished during it. As soon as Walder reveals that members of the Stark family survived, his son showed symptoms of poisoning. Walder Frey pulls off his mask, revealing himself to be none other than Arya Stark, a young woman. Okay, now I get. I guess why they did that. <laughs> um, does, it's not a mask. I don't know. Is it? Oh, yeah, do the faceless it, men use masks? It feels like they're branching off a lot. If latex perfection is just like any good disguise. Yeah, Which right. then, again, making a subversion be any bad disguise is... Yeah. yeah. Which is just, like... Because it's, cause it's, it's magic. Because it's, like, a whole thing you have to do, I, I think. I don't yeah. think it's, uh... I don't know if the... Oh. Mrs. Doubtfire seriously abused this trope. Did they <laughs> abuse it? Did Mrs. Doubtfire seriously abuse the latex perfection trope? Um, <laughs> Robin Williams' character would duck into a restroom to put on his old woman disguise in a matter of seconds, in spite of the fact that the making of documentary on the DVD explained it took several hours to apply the mask oh my God. to the actor's face. <laughs> yeah, they should have had him, just a minute, dearie! It's been three and a half hours, are you okay? And he just has the foundation and the stretching, and it's like, yeah, that's, what do you want? What do you, what, <laughs> What I would have wanted is, uh, I think that, sorry, I need to quickly look up, uh, I think that when writers, um, Randy Mayhem Singer and Leslie Dixon were writing Mrs. Doubtfire, I think they should have gone to the first scene where he needs to quickly put on the mask and go, wait a second, this kind of disguise would take hours to put on each time <laughs> and then i think they should have just stopped writing the movie because uh how could they have put it out like this they should be in jail <laughs> let's find out where they are maybe they are in jail randy mayam singer is uh an american screener producer and showrunner and she is currently writing Disney's upcoming fantasy comedy Wishlist, set to star Reese Witherspoon with Paul Feig directing as well as the movie version of I Dream of Jeannie. Didn't didn't they do... Oh, they did Bewitched. Didn't do... Well, I mean, whatever. Sorry. So, yeah. See, if she was in jail, she wouldn't be writing that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure she's a very nice person. And also, Mrs. Doubtfire is uh, fun. I just don't understand... This thing. Did Bewitched make money? It's not a good movie. Oh, I like Bewitched. Oh, do you? The movie? Yeah. I'm sorry. I know it's generally not considered a good movie, but I think it's pretty charming. It's not. Here's the thing I'll say. Um, I am definitely in favor. It's, it's watchable. It's very interesting. It's the, the... I'd say the structure of it is very interesting. It is watchable. Um... See, this is, again, mm -hmm. this is the kind of diversity House of House will have. <laughs> we've got different, we've got, uh, 
You say a Bewitched movie was good. I say it's bad. Mm-hmm. You say Homer had only seen him throw shoes right then. Mm-hmm. I say it's a previous time, <laughs> etc. Um, I okay. What, I don't know who did they. I don't know if they announced who's going to be Genie. Um, oh, she. She continues to work. She also co-wrote the Fox comedy Tooth Fairy. I've only seen Tooth Fairy 2. And let me tell you, that is not a good movie. <laughs> Do you think... To- have you seen Tooth Fairy 2? No, Do I've only tooth- seen the first one. Um, um, you've only seen the first Tooth Fairy. <laughs> I've only seen the second Tooth Fairy. Uh, the Rock! <laughs> the Cable Guy! The Rock! The Cable Guy! Let's My favorite thing anyway. about uh, that era in The Rock's career is how, like, he would always, he like, Dwayne Johnson would always be dating these, like, regular women, and they would be like, I'm skeptical about you. You told me, the, you told my kids that the Tooth Fairy isn't real, and it's like, you're having sex with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and you're just, like, a regular lady. And I think that rocks. I think, yeah. like, that should be all his movies. That's it's just, rocks. like, a woman just being like, mm, I'm not sold on Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, the um, the Tooth Fairy Two is about uh Larry the Cable Guy, um being the Tooth Fairy, and uh, it is the exact opposite of what you just described. <laughs> because instead of an incredibly built, attractive man, uh, it is Larry the Cable Guy, and uh, it's so. He has this beautiful wife who has left him, or girlfriend, whatever, who has left him for another guy um, because uh, he sucks. He sucks. He, he's bad. It was a good idea that she left him. Um, and he has, he's forced to be the tooth fairy. And I don't know if this is at all a factor in the, the first movie, um, the prequel uh, to Tooth Fairy 2. But uh, the, 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 the thing is that if he doesn't do the tooth fairy job well enough he will lose his most treasured memory um i don't remember that in the first one but i'm not 100 percent sure so he will lose his most treasured memory and the whole thing is he's convinced it's this time that he bowled a 300 <laughs> and he thinks he's going to lose the time he bowled a 300 when the memory is taken from him and he's still i don't quite understand the like epistemology of this when the memory is taken from him he still is aware of the memory he lost because he doesn't have it the memory that's actually taken from him is this picnic he had with his ex-girlfriend and then he's like oh i actually love her huh i go i gotta go get her done and he goes and he runs off and he tells her my best memory i just need you to know my best memory with you it was with you when we this picnic we had she goes to her current guy and says uh what's your best memory and he says oh it was when i caught this game winning touchdown in high school and she goes oh i have to leave you because larry the cable guy's best memory it's like if you had asked him before he became the tooth fairy he would have said it was the bowling thing the running theme in these movies is just like only date a man who has been the tooth fairy that's the only yeah. way you can know he'll treat you right girl if he, uh, girl, if he, wait, now I'm going to make, okay, wait, okay. I'm going to mix two things together. Girl, if he 
thinks his best memory is having a picnic with you because he was forced to be the tooth fairy, then girl, that's not your man. That's the tooth fairy. That's the mashup. Oh, you can only get that kind of mashup of uh, Jeff Foxworthy in 2017 Twitter meme on, uh, on the uh, TV Nopes podcast. Um, you remember those? Girl, that's not your man. That's... Uh, mm-hmm. I do. I don't know. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the tooth fairy <laughs> or whatever. That was fun for uh, a few weeks. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. Her current boyfriend never got the chance to be tested as the tooth fairy. He should at least get to be the tooth fairy and find out his best memory would have been something with her. Anyway. Totally fair. Oh, but uh, speaking of the rock, I just realized we glossed over my one of my favorite moments in the calico cut pants thing is the fact that the wrestler has some random ass name but his nickname is also the rock like he just <laughs> made up a game. That. yeah his name is like mike the rocksmith or something like ah, that it's so funny that's great yeah griffin once told me the the gimmick behind the rock young rock like the the rock tv show oh, it's horrifying you probably know right yeah because yes. you uh you're on the ball on this <laughs> on this stuff yes i have watched the pilot of that we, uh, I mean, I assume by the time people are listening to this, uh, we've already, we, there was such demand that we were forced to start a House of House Patreon that <laughs> pulls in uh, just 10000 each month. But uh, if, we do ever, if we do ever get to that point, um, it sounds, this might sound premature to say, but the first episode may very well be out, and it all goes according to plan by the time people are listening. So who can say? It, w- it would be fun maybe to cover uh like tangentially related sort of pilots or things in some way that didn't you know house lasted like know, 11 seasons or whatever but that didn't last like because the one that jumps to mind is i remember watching with gabe uh this show do no harm oh yeah that was I about think like manuel miranda created that really i I might be wrong, but I feel like that was an insane thing. <laughs> one of the, Do No Harm is one of those shows that probably started with a very different uh, premise, just because like, oh god, everything else is uh, okay. Do oh, no okay, harm, no, do he just Lin Manuel Miranda just starred on it. Okay, <laughs> if you, I just remembered the subway ads. It's Doctor Face Hands. Yeah, have you you know Doctor Face oh, Hands? Yeah. The doctor with a face on his hands. Um, it's so it's so rough. I remember we were watching it because it's like, it's th- the the first episode heavily implies that he, uh, um, yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda's Doctor Ruben Marcado heavily implies that he um, commits. Uh, sexual assault as uh as uh what's his name in this is it like dr jack cal oh god it is <laughs> dr jason cole dr oh. j cole and ian price what okay the other one doesn't just go all the way then <laughs> have it have it be like uh you know i don't know what's a what's something that sounds like hide uh, so I can't think of something. All right, I'll edit. I'll edit in uh, mm-hmm. right here. Me saying a synonym for high that his last name could have been. 
All right. We'll see if I remember or care enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving along to... Uh, oh, there's nice hat. You got the fedora with the safari flaps on back. Uh, which, uh, which uh, that was nice of... Uh, that they were able to score that uh, promotional thing with uh, Jeff Bezos wearing that stupid hat when he went to space and then everyone... Um, okay, I'm trying to figure out like what nice hat the trope boils down to. It's oh, just that's like a good a, someone who is always wearing the hat. Harming the nice hat might be akin to kicking the dog. Aww. Oh, no. Yeah, it just seems like generally hats i guess there's a (laughs) lot there's a lot of examples yeah i mean i guess a lot of characters do have a signature hat yeah oh i would love to do the i wonder if do no harm has a tv tropes page on (laughs) hell yeah yeah it does oh no this was cut wait why'd they cut the do no harm tv tropes pages uh all but one example. Note, this page was cut for reasons. Stub article. All but one example are zero content examples. Creator was messaged and never fixed the page. So, they do have standards when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> the only pages I've seen cut were... Uh, one, an episode that came out a couple weeks ago um, covered the uh, Greg Gutfield show and Louder with Crowder. Yeah. TV Tropes pages and the Louder with Crowder page they cut for more obvious reasons. Um, and I guess the Do No Harm page, there wasn't enough there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, to be fair, uh, that's what the uh, executives and writers should have also realized <laughs> when they started uh, going, Do No Harm, boom, Do No Harm slam. Sorry. First, I did harm <laughs> that show. Um there's the rags to riches. It's the billionaire investor moguls on the Capitol room. So that's the one with Patty Harrison, which I prefer. My preferred Patty Harrison of this season was the table sketch. Yeah, I was not a big the Capitol room fan. And honestly, the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, this is a pretty long intro. And then the sketch ended and I was like, oh, that's the sketch. Okay, see, now I don't know if, house of house will be diverse enough it's just two white men who feel the same way about the capital room sketch so um, hopefully we have more disagreements but, but yeah they're right that's that's rags to riches um yeah but that yes yeah but that's a good example of rags to riches oh we have um, another uh detective coming up oh they do oh there is another one okay wait oh in the haunted house sketch sir swears a lot Oh, is yeah. it spoiling deconstructed? Um, it's not deconstructed. The, the, <laughs> the next spoiler I see is the really 17 years old one. Oh, um, but I'm sorry. Skip, I'm skipping ahead, though. Sorry. No, yeah. The really 17 years old is the girl lies about her weight in order to play with the Tammy Craps doll. Um, um, but if we want to keep going in order, I think the next one is realistic diction is unrealistic. Yeah, which is just more detective crash more. Mm-hmm. I don't know what realistic diction is unrealistic is. problem with actual human speech is that it does not take place in the form of sentences. Speech in fiction is fictional. Too good to be true. People in fiction don't speak like we... Yes, they do all the time. 
this feels like something that's been I don't know. This has been litigated so much. This has been litigated so much because it goes back and forth. Because, like, I think classically people didn't speak naturally and stuff. And then people leaned really into natural dialogue. And now people are like, well, I don't know. Do whatever you Do whatever works. Yeah. I remember this conversation coming up so much when uh, Juno came out. And everyone was like, no one talks like that. And I was always like, I do. Like, me and my friends are fun. We talk like Juno. You talk like Juno. You have a hamburger phone. Um, you say, uh, I think it was, I think the one that drove, I think the, the thing that put people over the edge was that, like, the gas station attendant also does. The Dwight. <laughs> Dwight does, too. So it's just her. You'd be like, all right, she's quirky. But you're like, and there's this quirky uh, gas station attendant. That was, Is that the only, and I, hey, I, I really like Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. I think he's very talented. Is that the only good movie he's been in? <laughs> Probably. I, uh, oh, Game Night. I'm biased against Game Night because when it came out that year, everyone was like, it's the comedy of the year when the comedy of the year was Blockers. I like Game Night, um, mostly because of Jesse Plemons. Um, but yeah, I think it was not as good as people hyped up because like the plot isn't actually that good, which is usually fine in a comedy, but it was like the kind of movie that was like really leaning into having a good plot and at the end i was like oh this kind of fell apart they also really tack on and then they're like but we're so competitive we could be competitive about having kids even though we don't want them it's like did you mention this at all yeah they definitely have like super annoying problems where you're like just enjoy being rich and married to rachel mcadams and starting a family like what yeah also like it's not i don't know you like whatever yeah it's um yeah no i mean game night's a good movie though i'll give it that it's uh he was in some spelling bee movie where he's like the trash talking spelling bee guy right oh he he was this is a really small part but he wasn't dodgeball i kind of thought like the least funny part of it but still really good movie he's in that movie the switch where he and the (laughs) other movie that could be called the switch wait which one's he's in one where he switches bodies with ryan reynolds that one's okay and then he's in another one where he switches the cum right yeah he switches the cum they have to work so hard to make you okay with that (laughs) in a way that like there must have been at some point they should have just been like look can't that why couldn't this be a mistake the doctor made right yeah i feel like movies are always trying to make semen crimes okay and i'm always like no like i'm never gonna be okay with semen crimes no it's yeah it's totally like this is yeah the you're just like this no they can't be together they work so hard to get to that place but you're just like this is a a crime he should be in jail with the (laughs) co-writer of mrs doubtfire for making the 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 masks be yeah. too quick that movie is saying big fat load of cum and i'm just getting mad and yeah exactly to out. look all i want to know <laughs> is did any of these batemans just have a big fat load of cum into their longtime friends uh sperm cup that they left like in the bathroom that also <laughs> should have been in the fridge i don't remember the details of that this is is it and he takes it? No, I can't remember. Do they make the sample there? I 
I saw this movie. Um, yeah, I, it is, is one of those things that just seems so obvious where you're just like, just have it be a doctor mix up and the doctor is like a drunk and we all hate the doctor, but like, we don't need to, we don't need to linger on the doctor, right? Like, yeah. and Jason Bateman thinks he figures it out and he doesn't want to tell her cause that's even more awkward. If, you know, that mm-hmm. could be so much, but anyway, yeah. um, we really seven yeah so they they have one about tammy craps i am in a i think you should leave facebook meme group and there is someone who is clearly was either trying to like QAnon pill people or is themselves like QAnon pilled and doesn't even realize it because they were like isn't it disturbing how many references there are to uh like kid sex in i think you should leave season two and the ones they chose one was the buff boys pageant which like okay the whole like that one kind of works I yeah, mean, like, whole... I don't have a problem with it, but I can see being like, okay, yeah, it's about little buff boys, sure. Sure. Yeah, that's the one. Fine. It's about little buff boys. The point is supposed to be uncomfortable. You got to come up. You got to come <laughs> and I, I do like him going, like, okay, troll boy. No, it's not troll boy. <laughs> you can't be. You understand why it's not. You're right, troll boy. Um, the other examples were like, oh, the professor, uh, Yaboya, uh, saying, you'll have to arrest my wife because the little boy goes down on her every night. And it's okay. like, but that's not that's not what that is. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, I guess if this person's thing is just, like, it referencing it, then I'm like, okay. And then uh, the guy in the Claire's video talks about a Sibian, I guess, and you're like, okay, but the point, again, is that this guy is old and inappropriate and shouldn't be in the video. And then the other one is that the Tammy Craps girl is smoking a cigar. And it's like, no, okay. <laughs> That's yeah, on that's, you. No, yeah. That's Ugh. on you. That's your problem. Yeah. Don't you let a let a little girl innocently smoke a cigar. Yeah, that no way it was part of this. Yeah. Um Oh yeah, so the other spoiler is uh <laughs> for the haunted house sketch, which that's the other one that we'll always just turn to Liz and I will turn to each other and just go I'm not I don't want anyone to have their worst day at work. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make anyone laugh. But I just want to know, did any of these fuckers ever drop out the fucking ceiling and have a big cum shot? Reggie had a uh, little, like, feather from the pillow on his eye. Aww. Um, He's doing good. I was worried it was going to storm and freak him out. He's turned into a real, uh, I mean, understandably partially because there were, fi- like, weeks of fireworks. Oh, yeah. and now he, like, doesn't let us take him outside and he freaks out when there's thunder, but... Gotta make sure he, I can hit the right time where he'll let me take him out before uh, gets too dark. Anyway, but um, the oh yeah, so and then it has a spoiler tag. Wait, but do you <laughs> want to talk about the Tammy Crap spoiler first since we're on it? Oh yes, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Um. So it's really seventeen years old. A bizarre variation in Tammy Craps where a girl lies about her weight to play with the doll, which I think is kind of too far from being a variation on lying about your age. Yeah, um, I agree. But uh, which is full of fart neutralized poison that's fatal to children in the under sixty pound weight bracket. And what I love about this is that they hide a spoiler, but they just said that she's a round poison that's fatal to children. So yeah. you're like. Oh, I wonder what the spoiler will be. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, you ruined the end of this minute and a half sketch. Yeah, that reminds me of we talked about how there's a 
TV Trips page for suicide, which is so weird. But, like, a bunch of stuff was hidden for spoilers, and it was like, oh, yeah, I wonder what it could be when it's on the page for suicide. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, not fooling anyone here. Um, the, uh, the, oh, yeah, and then, yeah, so then Sir swears a lot, and this is the haunted house sketch. Um, and then at the end, so this one also has spoilers, and it says, uh, deconstructed as it gets him kicked out of the tour, and he turns out to be a sheltered, friendless man who's desperately trying to fit in. How is that deconstructing the trope? Yeah, okay, wait. So Sir swears a lot. Is that just anyone who swears a lot? Or is he supposed to be, like, cool? Because if he's supposed to be cool, I guess, then I get it. Yeah, I guess so. A character with distinguishing characteristic of swearing. No, this will be more. Oh, God. They're all of these. Might be carrying the idiot ball or too dumb to live or gen- All right. Ugh, jerk with a heart of gold. Broken bird. Broken ace. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, that's kind of fun. All the examples on this page are, uh, motherfucking anime and manga bullshit, <laughs> bitch-ass piece of shit oh, comedy. Funny, yeah. These are the motherfucking examples, asshole. No, oh, I'm glad they're having fun <laughs> over there, TV tropes. Yep. Um, but yeah, that doesn't, since the, the trope seems to just be someone swearing a lot, it doesn't seem deconstructed. No, I don't think so. Um, the going down, we've got, hmm, I think we might be, oh, okay, there's one more new one, okay. I think, unless I missed one, which is, um, villainy free villain. All Jamie Taco does is steal other actors' lines by saying them really fast. I don't think that's villainy-free. He ruins that guy's yeah. day. I feel like a villainy-free villain would be more like Bart Harley Jarvis, where as far as we know, everyone just kind of, like, decided he's a villain and we haven't, like, seen him do anything wrong. Yeah, whereas this says... Uh, I know we saw this before. I think, I like, forget. I would say, something. like, low-stakes villain instead, because he does only, like, steal, like, three lines from that guy, but it is still, like in the world of that sketch, like, clearly being a hateable jerk. Yeah, it's it's something bad. Like, a, it's like a bully. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. These are, like, the way that you have to go through... Are, is this, like, how in recipes they need F for oh, yeah. SEO? Like, no work of fiction can exist without conflict. Almost all works help accomplish this by having a villain of some sort. After all, if there's no villain, who will create the conflict? Who will the heroes Ugh. confront in this climax? Who will sing the best songs? But sometimes writers encounter a problem. Sometimes what the antagonist is doing isn't illegal or even immoral. In a sports story, the antagonist would just be the leader of the opposing sports team. If, say, you're writing an inspiring story about an underdog who aspires to be a great chef, the antagonist would be a tough-to-please food critic or the owner of a rival restaurant. Sure, their success would make the hero's life worse, but in real life, nobody would hold it against them. That's just the way the world works. Surely the stories are going for good versus good, right? wrong meet the villainy free villain the very personification of a felony misdemeanor and make sure the viewer's sympathy is still squared on their protagonist the villainy free villain is an antagonist who compensates for the completely socially acceptable aspirations by being as much of a jerk ass about them as humanly possible yeah but I... his motivations aren't socially acceptable you're not supposed it... to steal someone's lines yeah i feel like they're talking about two very different things because like at the end of that it suddenly says like 
oh, but you, like, hate them. And I feel like what they're talking about is, like, a trope I really do hate that comes up a lot in, like, a lot of, like, kid stuff where it's, like, oh, this girl beat me for the solo and they act like she's, like, the worst person alive. And it's, like, she just, like, worked really hard and sang well. (laughs) For the fan inversion, see Ron the Death Eater. Everyone drink. Return of Ron the Death Eater. You remember? Yes, I do remember that. The famous Ron the Death I Eater. Remem- yeah. I still don't totally get it. I just know that he has a, a tiny dick for some reason. Yeah, but it's the only thing we need to know about Ron the Death Eater. Um, I, so- <laughs> sorry, uh, I just randomly noticed the phrase Friday Night Lights just like leapt out at me. And mm-hmm. under soundtrack dissonance, it says, the absolutely ridiculous finale of the gift receipt sketch is scored by extremely dramatic post-rock that could have been ripped right out of Friday Night Lights. And I just really like that their go-to super dramatic thing is Friday Night Lights. Yeah. It's just... They, but they, but you won't understand. They do that for everything. Mm-hmm. They just... they uh, All of them, they go like, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights has uh, non-villainy villains. And Friday <laughs> Night Lights has... Uh, Jamie Taco is really the... Uh, Coach, I haven't seen Friday Night Lights. Coach <laughs> McGunder of I Think You Should Leave. Um, but that's that's the page. Should we do a few? You want me to cycle through a few trope quizzes? Oh, for sure. And we'll call it. Let me uh, give one quick shout out to my... Oh. This is still my favorite part of this page. There's a tiny entry for surreal humor, an example where the absurdism comes mostly from bizarre character interactions. I love that that gets, like, one tiny sentence on the I think you should leave page. That should be the only sentence on the page. Yeah. In addition to all of the non-villain villains and all of the stalkers without a crush, it also has some surreal humor. Yeah. Look, it's mostly snowball lies. (laughs) Well, it is. It is actually. Oh, they add. I didn't even see that. Snowball lie. They added, in addition to the... uh, the couple not arriving in time babysitter, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, a father gently telling his daughter the ice cream machine is broken. It's got too cold. Bob Odenkirk uh, says, right? Right? I own doubles. Mm-hmm. So I like that one because... That one's, yeah, so good. That's another thing I love about I Think You Should Leave is I think they often go, where would you expect this to go and how can we subvert that mm-hmm. and the way that it goes from him being uncomfortable you think he's gonna get more uncomfortable he eventually just kind of like gets on board yeah. and is like yeah man she's it's, she's all right she's great it's a very sweet sort of dude's rock ending that it's like and his wife is gonna get better she's yeah gonna get, that one pairs really well with the uh the um paul, paul walter hauser is that his name uh, the yeah, Jamie Taco, Jamie Taco sketch, yeah. Uh, of just like wife guys where it's just like a nice uh, dramatic, dramatic note in a in a little sketch. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, the, the, the also the one with the. Uh, the the printer in the first season, I love that it ends with her getting that little bit of fulfillment mm-hmm. with patty harrison getting him, him just going to brought in him just being yeah i guess he did and you're just like that meant so much to her <laughs> um let's do a quick uh uh doing a quick trope 
quiz. We've got cash lore. Cash lore. Oh, I'm going to guess that's like when you have some fake thing like space credits or whatever in this in this world. Oh, no. It is uh, when you put like when someone puts cash on a uh, on a fishing pole. Like to oh. get like on a cartoon normally. Okay. Um, although it's also in Jackass. And Ned's Declassified oh, School sure. Survival yeah. Guide. Oh, sure, yeah. there's a Simpsons gag with it? Okay, sure. Yeah. One of those Ned's Declassified kids must okay, have been arrested for something, Okay, I was hearing lore, right? L-O-R-E, but it's lore, L-U-R-E, Oh, right? yes, yes, okay. L-U-R-E. Yes, yes, yes. Um, ooh, they got a reference in Wario Land 2. It's mm-hmm. a good game. Um... This banana is armed. I was going to say we've had that one before, but I'm thinking of everything is tomatoes. Yes. But this is, this banana is what? Armed. This banana is armed. Okay, is that one like a cute anthropomorphic thing is actually dangerous? Sort of. It's when something uh, seemingly um, something seemingly harmless is actually uh, like they use plants versus zombies in one of these. It's like plants versus zombies where they're like dangerous. Um, Like they're like real weapons even though they don't look like weapons. It's like Bugs Bunny. Oh, okay. Holding up a carrot, then the carrot opens up and it shoots. They've got some of these which don't make sense. In American McGee's Alice, the blunderbuss hardly looks formidable, but it's a gun. It's still <laughs> a gun. That's not what this is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, evil is not pacifist. Evil is not pacifist. Um, okay, is so that when there's like a villain who generally is kind of right, like Poison Ivy or um, Killmonger, but then they killed a bunch of people and that makes them, like, automatically not right? That seems like a good answer. But it just seems to be villains who try to keep people from fighting. So I don't understand... In Where on Earth is Carmen San Diego? Carmen would rather get caught than kill or severely injure anyone while committing her thefts. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. They're presuming Carmen had some real firepower. She's just opting not to use. <laughs> if the whole... She clearly is... I mean, she's able... She's magic, I guess, because she can steal, like, the Christ of the Resurrection in Brazil or whatever, but, like... Ozymandias of Watchmen is said to be a pet. They block out Ozymandias, um, but they leave in of Watchmen is said to be pacifist and a vegetarian, <laughs> although his final plan for world peace isn't exactly nonviolent. Which of the characters is pacifist and vegetarian, like otherwise? Um, Spider Man yeah, 3, yeah. I guess I do sometimes like that trope where they like go out of their way to be like 
Joe, the villain was making a point, but he had everybody leave the building first. Or like, um, I know there's a part of Fast and Furious where they like drive a car through a building and it cuts to like a news report that's like, no one was injured today. <laughs> that's great. That should have, if only Thanos was the good guy, then he could have had someone come on and go, it turns out he eliminated, <laughs> coincidentally, only pedophiles disappeared. <laughs> they were just, that wouldn't make for much of a movie. That'd just be the end of it. But uh, that was my old joke that uh, never, um, two jokes that will never work because they're too specific and whatever. So I'll just say them here. But one that, uh, where he, he's giving the monologue where he's like, it'll, Half of the people will disappear, like, regardless of wealth or strength or status or virtue. And they're like, and contract extensions? <laughs> well, let's not get crazy here. Um, or the other thing, when they're having that big fight where Thanos has, like, an army at the end. I just like to imagine beforehand the discussion they're having where the guy's like, so why'd you sign up for Thanos' space army? And he's like, oh, I must pay for space college. What about you? He's like... I just really believe in half of us disappearing. <laughs> like, just fighting for the cause, you know. Um, all right, should we see if we can get one more? Sure. Oh, that one's obvious. That one's obvious. That one's obvious. Is it something you eat? Trope called, is it something you eat? Um, okay, I feel like... I have a first guess that I'm hesitant about because I know you were skipping obvious ones. But my I was skipping even more obvious okay. ones. Okay, yeah, my gut is that this is something like the gag where a character picks something up and just like immediately tries to eat it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, it's like... Um, or, you know, they say... Uh, is that oh wait this is a weird example they use i don't know what oh from the comic book demon knights the example they use is this woman saying to another woman you were amazing and she says thanks i am exoristos you can call me x and she says but you dress like a tart and she says again thanks is that some kind of pastry and it's like well it, but it is some kind of pastry <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> um anyway this has been <laughs> lovely uh i'm glad we were able to update this uh in time uh i mean you know when the episode comes out will be a little afterwards people have hopefully rewatched multiple times but now they uh have the tv tropes page completely covered and updated uh with this follow-up tv notes podcast um lenny you of course uh have the podcast chapter surfing there's arden podcast uh i am reading a book that we're going to we're going to cover i'm sorry making somewhat slow progress on oh, it no problem it's different i don't know if i can spoil which book <laughs> it is but it's already got a big difference i'm curious why it takes place in a different country at the beginning <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah and probably when you're hearing this house of house is out so Ooh. if you like house Listen to House of House, uh, probably wherever podcasts are found. Will there be a House of House Twitter account you can follow? Not sure yet. <laughs> or you already know because uh, Hugh Laurie retweeted it <laughs> and told everyone to follow it. All right. 
Uh, Lenny, thank you for joining me. Is there anything else you want to promote? Follow Lenny on Twitter at Lenny Burnham. Yeah, you covered all of it. Thank you for having me. Great. All right. And to all you out there in podcast land, have yourselves.